We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. As always, my name is Steven. I am your host. And joining me today is a very special guest, Mr. Sam Monson, a pro football focus analyst. Sam, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Really appreciate you hopping on today. Um, you know, re- really quickly, you know, I, I said, well, we'll talk about, you know, free agency and, and kind of the draft stuff. But uh, you guys are doing one of the cooler projects this offseason and your project with uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, really kind of curious how, you know, if you could kind of talk about where people can find that and and kind of the process that PFF has done with uh, Mr. Hutchinson as it uh, pertains to him leading up to the draft. Yeah, anywhere you get your podcasts, <clears throat> if you search for the Hutch podcast, the Hutch, uh, that'll be that'll get you there. Basically, it's a four episode series that kind of details his background, you know, where he came from as a player, as a person to become what we presume will be the number one overall pick in, in this upcoming draft. So Austin Gale is the the host of it. He's talked to 50 or so different people. Um, so, you know, a lot of his family guys back in Michigan, uh, Harbaugh, all these kind of people to, to try and flesh out the, the guy's story. And eventually we'll, uh, we'll break cover on that really pretty soon now um, as we get up to the draft. Yeah. Really looking forward to that one. I know, uh, most people, you know, on, on social media have been uh, hyping it up for sure. So I, I can't wait to listen to that one. Um, I want to get your thoughts really quickly on, on, on kind of the Chargers moves. I know that there was, you know, this crazy offseason, right? Chargers ended up trading for Khalil Mack, signing J.C. Jackson, um, you know, signing Sebastian Joseph Day, which I think were kind of the three big ones. Uh, I want to get your thoughts specifically on, on what J.C. Jackson can do for uh, this secondary and, and kind of how you guys view that move over at uh, Pro Football Focus. Yeah, I, I really like that move. Um, I think J.C. Jackson, first of all, I was surprised that the Patriots were willing to let him walk in the first place. Yeah. Um, I understand that they're kind of pivoting away from the the man-heavy scheme that they've had over the last few years and that that kind of coaching tree has been the last bastion of, um, and they're moving to a more zone type of system. But I don't know that that, naturally means you move away from an elite ball hawking corner. I think yeah. you need those in zone systems as well. It's not like 
you don't need coverage in that system. It's just a different style of coverage. So pretty amazed that the New England was willing to let him walk and didn't want to pony up the cash it would take to, to pay him. But it's perfect for the Chargers because a guy like J.C. Jackson, he has been one of the best ball hawks in the NFL since he came into it. And sometimes those numbers have been, I think, a little bit uh, flattering of his play relative to like his down in down out coverage. But I think the longer he's gone on, the closer those two things have got to meeting, you know, his out, his play now is right up there with those interception numbers and the past breakups and all those kinds of things. So he really is like a perfect fit within the secondary and a guy that I think is also a, a pretty good kind of mentor and example for Asante Samuel Jr. Cause I think he's a similar style of player and potentially those guys could really complement each other and create, you know, this really talented uh, turnover prone type of secondary. Yeah. You know, it really kind of leads up to a really interesting point. Uh, Brandon Staley is in Baton Rouge today. We're getting eyes on Derek Stingley. And I think, you know, before signing JC Jackson, the Chargers were kind of heavily considered to be taking a corner in the first round. And, you know, like you said, I, I did not think JC Jackson is going to be available. So, you know, in, in my head, I was kind of picturing, you know, like a Charverius Ward and a draft pick to kind of, you know, supplement this room. Not to say that that still can't happen, but, you know, there's a lot more intrigue now with the first round pick and and maybe they could still take a corner. I don't know if you have any thoughts there on, you know, whether Stingley can fall or whether Andrew Booth or Trent McDuffie are kind of worth that pick. Yeah, I mean, I think Stingley is fascinating because he he's a guy I could easily see going on a fall on draft day. Like, because of the way that his sort of college career profile panned out, the best freshman corner we've ever seen, you know, PFF grade of 90 plus that year was absolutely phenomenal back in, in 2019. And then injuries and just play since, he hasn't really gotten close to that level since. But from everything we know about cornerback play from PFF data and from research and development, all those kinds of things, cornerback play year to year, it's, it's not stable. It's not predictive. It fluctuates. Mm. It's volatile. It's, you know, it goes all over the place. And we've seen that from elite NFL corners. Jalen Ramsey is probably a perfect example. <clears throat> Jalen Ramsey in that 2017 Jacksonville defense was probably the best corner in the NFL that year. And then last season, he was the best corner in the NFL. But in between, his plays kind of been bouncing all over the place. Um, we always knew that he was still the same guy, but he, he didn't necessarily produce at the same level. And that just happens with corners sometimes because – you're automatically at the mercy of receivers and, and quarterbacks and offense and defense. And, you know, that old adage of the perfect throw and catch beats the perfect coverage every time you can go on a run where you're not playing any worse, but you're producing worse. So you're just getting beaten more often, which ultimately, you know, it's a bottom line business for corners. So um, to me, the fact that Stingley showed that high end play is more important than when he showed it. Right. So the fact that we've seen that he has elite top level uh, potential, I think is way more important than if he'd done it in 2021. Yes. You'd love to see it that way right. because that just fits the, the kind of pattern that we like to see from players. But the fact that we've seen it at all, I think is the most important thing, but I think there's a lot of kind of, I think that, way of thinking is still not quite permeated through to everybody in the NFL. I think there's a lot of people that will shy away from him because the last two years weren't good. And because the injuries and won't let that 2019 sort of counteract that and keep him, you know, where I think he should be, which is the top 10 of this draft. So I could easily see a guy like Stingley 
start sliding in the first round and be one of those guys that a team like the Chargers or, or whoever pounces on lower in the, in the draft and ends up with a potential steal just through value. Yeah, I think we saw similar circumstances with Derwin James. I mean, right. obviously there's positional value there, but, uh, you know, Derwin had the similar health risk, if you will, that, that kind of led to him falling. So uh, another player I'm curious to get your thoughts on. I know your uh, colleague, Mike Renner, is very high on Charles Cross. There's been a lot of momentum, I guess, between the Chargers potentially trading up for a player like Charles Cross. Um, how? What are your thoughts on, on Cross as a prospect and whether or not he would be kind of worth trading up for because you know a lot of Chargers fans are, are really desperate for that right tackle spot to be solved opposite of Rashawn Slater and I do feel like there is kind of a drop-off between Cross and the rest of that uh, offensive tackle class yeah I, I really like Charles Cross I think that he's um, the best pass blocker of this draft class mm -hmm. like when you can Iki Aquanu is, is obviously the best run blocker of the group. I think Evan Neal is probably the best kind of compromise of run blocking and pass blocking. And okay. then Charles Cross is, is the best pass protector of the group. But he's also the guy I think that's getting a little bit overlooked because of the attention on Aquanu and on uh, Evan Neal. And Charles Cross, I don't think is quite as sort of freaky in terms of the obvious stuff, the just the size and athleticism and, and those kinds of things. And, because of that, he's sort of falling under the radar a little bit. Um, I The two things I think that are issues, one, trading up, I think, generally for anything other than a quarterback is just gen it's not a good idea because yeah. you're giving up an extra pick for a player that isn't a quarterback to essentially be worth two players, two picks. It's just very difficult to do. The guy needs to be an absolute superstar in order for him to be worth the value of two players. Um in in one pick so i think generally if you're trading up for a guy that isn't the quarterback it's usually not a good idea um and then also i think that he's the one guy from that top tier that's never played right tackle which doesn't mean he can't do it you know it happens all the time you see guys get drafted they move sides of the line but you have to have a higher degree of confidence in that right if you've seen him do it before so evan neal we've seen him play really well at right tackle and left tackle at alabama Charles Cross, we've only seen play left tackle. So again, it's just it's increasing, you know, your discomfort, your how worried you are by a guy translating when you're adding these layers of things that could potentially go wrong. And while there's there's definitely a drop off, I think if you're factoring in the fact that you'd have to trade up and you're asking him to switch sides that he hasn't done yet, I think you're probably as well staying where you are and potentially snagging you know, one of the guys like Trevor Penning or, or Bernard Ryman instead. Yeah, absolutely. Really curious to see how the Chargers, uh, you know, kind of attack that. The other uh, name really commonly connected to the Chargers still after free agency has obviously been Jordan Davis. Um, do you think signing Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson would kind of preclude the Chargers from taking a guy like Jordan Davis? Because that would be, you know, like their fourth defensive tackle at this point. Um, and really where do you end up seeing Davis, you know, kind of falling in that top, you know, 15 or so picks? I don't think it should stop them drafting a guy like him. If, if they love Jordan Davis, you know, Sebastian Joseph day, th those guys should not stop you drafting a Jordan Davis. Just be, if you think he's that good. Um, but I think they've given themselves the ability to pass on Jordan Davis. Now, if they don't love him or if they want right. to go in a different direction, grab the tackle, grab a wide receiver, like if Jamison Williams or whatever starts to fall, they're no longer in a position where you're like, well, we need to draft Jordan Davis because we have this giant hole in the middle of the defense. 
The other um, move that they made, I think, that sort of sneakily affects the run game in a big way is Khalil Mack. Like, that guy's been one of the yeah. best run-defending edge, edge defenders in the NFL since he came into the league. He will make a material difference to the run game, like even yeah. without a big body up the middle. So I, I think they've done a good job of addressing that need. And then if, if they love Jordan Davis, sure. Um, he's, I think, one of the most fascinating prospects in this draft because – we're, you know, the, the planet theory, Bill Parcells idea, of there's only so many human beings walking the earth of that size and speed and ability. Mm-hmm. That is Jordan Davis in a nutshell. Like we have never seen a guy that's that big, that's 340, slim down 340 and can run like a 4840 and, and set a record for, you know, the, the best broad jump of a guy that's over 300 pounds, uh, beat everybody at that size on the broad jump by like, not just a little bit, but like a foot this year. <laughs> right. So we've never seen a player that can do that, but this is a guy that also has only really played 1100 and something snaps in a four year college career that has never been that productive, uh, even against the run, which is the sort of one area you would expect him to just be flat out dominant in. He hasn't been like the dominance is there in flashes and his highlight reel is spectacular, but his PFF grades, even against the run, they're good, but they're not great. Um, players, you know, if you start comparing him to guys that are like that in the past, the the Vita Veas of the world, like his grades are not anywhere near as good as Vita Veas were coming out. And then you have the question about whether you can scale up his workload from 300 snaps a year to 700 snaps a year for him to be worth that high, you know, the first round, the high end guy. I think because of the way the NFL works, you know, a guy like Derek Brown getting drafted in the top 10 a couple of years ago, I think we're probably going to see somebody jump on Jordan Davis early just because of that, because of that potential, the chase of the, what he could be, but I wouldn't want to be the team that does it. I I think I would be comfortable (laughs) drafting him somewhere in the bottom half of the first round, but I would want no part of taking that gamble in the the first half of the first round. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I land as well. Uh, we'll pivot away from the first round here with a couple other questions. I think everybody kind of knows the Chargers need more speed at the receiver position. It's why, you know, somebody like Jamison Williams has been so fun uh, at 17 potentially, although it kind of seems like he's trending towards not being there. Um, in, in terms of that, you know, third round, fourth round, who are some of your favorite kind of speed receivers that could be that you think could be there for the Chargers, you know, late in that day two, early day three range? I love Calvin Austin um, from Memphis. This guy yeah. is tiny. He's like 5'9", <laughs> 150, 60 pounds, something like that. He's so small. Um, we're talking like single-digit percentiles in size, weight, <laughs> you know, hand size, arm length, everything, yeah. everything physical. But he is so fast. Like he's mm-hmm. in the 90-plus percentile in all the speed and explosive metrics, which you're going to need to have if you're that small, right? But And you watch his tape he's going to get kind of labeled as like a slot guy, a gadget player. He's, he hasn't really played in the slot. Like 90% of his snaps were out wide. And he reminds me a little bit of like, you know, Santana Moss back in the day, but almost, Mm -hmm. I mean, Moss was a small guy himself, but like a small Santana Moss, a guy that's like even (laughs) a smaller version of that, but somebody that can play outside and will scare teams because of his speed and his quickness. And when you watch him play at the senior ball and those one-on-one drills, okay, those drills are set up to be wins for the receivers anyway, right? Because the corner has everything to defend. He has no kind of tell, no able, no way to cheat. So they're always, you're always going to see wide receivers get the, the wins generally. But defensive backs had no idea how to play 
uh, Calvin Austin during that week. They couldn't figure out if you stay off, if you stay off, he just beats you with quickness on his routes and you, you're nowhere. If you get up and try and press him, he immediately beats you at the line. You're, you're toast just as badly. They spent the entire week and couldn't figure out how to deal with him um, during the course of it. And the practices, I think that'll translate for a guy that is going to fall because of his size. I think he's one of the rare athletes that can survive at the NFL level and survive outside against, you know, big physical press man type of corners and have one of those careers. And, you know, Santana Moss was the guy he reminds me of, but Deshaun Jackson is a really small receiver as well. And that guy's had a a decade long career as like a designated deep threat and has always been productive. Yeah, I think that's, and you know, Calvin Austin is a a good return man option as well. So that's going to make a lot of people on chargers Twitter very happy. He's, He's a very popular player. Uh, on social media my last question here uh really is about the running back group because everybody on on chargers twitter like i said is really interested in getting austin eckler some help uh that has not really happened over the last two years joshua kelly larry roundtree just have not panned out justin jackson can't stay on the field and is obviously a free agent so uh what are your thoughts on this uh running back group kind of outside of that uh you know day two range maybe chargers probably looking in the fourth fifth sixth round uh, that kind of range of of running back. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's a solid group of running backs. And honestly, I think it's that's where it's most loaded, right? Is those kind mm-hmm. of mid to low round guys where um, none of them blow you away and you're, you're looking at them and there's something missing to their game, whether it's receiving, whether it's uh, incredible athleticism, whether it's straight line speed. There's just, there's something not there that makes them, you know, away from those top prospects like a Brees Hall uh, or Kenneth Walker. But, because of everything we know about running play in the NFL, that doesn't necessarily matter. They're still right. good, productive players. And if you have the run blocking um, and if the, you know, the offensive line is opening up holes, those guys will be able to come in and be productive. And that's you know the biggest thing for the charges, why they need to make sure that they kind of address the right side of the offensive line and make sure that that doesn't deteriorate and that they are going to open up some holes for Austin Eckler and whoever the, the foil is. I think that's by far the, the biggest aspect of this. So yeah, there, there are going to be a, a selection of players, I think available in the fourth, fifth and sixth round. And it's just a case of picking the guy that they like the look of the best. And if the situation there is, is conducive to success, that guy will be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Sam, this has been great, man. Where can uh, Chargers fans find you? And uh, what do you have uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, on Twitter, uh, at PFF underscore Sam, on PFF.com, obviously, and then uh, our podcast, the PFF NFL Podcast, or the PFF NFL Daily, anywhere you search your podcasts. Obviously, it's full into draft season right now, so all draft all the time. All right, yeah, can't look, can't wait to uh, get there. I think we're three weeks away as of tomorrow, so uh, really excited about that. Again, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Sure, thanks for having me. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to buyoptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.